Hey, it's Krista. Thanks for being here, showing up for yourself, and being curious today. On the Rewilding Humanity podcast, we explore the depths of what it means to be human and how to come back into wholeness, physically, mentally, spiritually. Virtual high five to all you truth seekers out there. Let's get into it. What is up, fam? Welcome to another episode of the Rewilding Humanity podcast. Today, we are diving into some heavy topics, but it's such a beautiful conversation with such a light soul. My new friend, Kristen Hallett. Ugh, she's just so dope, you guys. I'm so excited that you get to meet her on this podcast. We're getting into it, though. We're talking about death and grief and the love letter of your life. Kristen has found her calling recently supporting the dying and their families through storytelling. And it is such a beautiful service that she is providing. Do connect with her because I feel like this is just, this is something that we all need and that we're all going to need at some point in our lives because <laughs> I don't know if you've heard the prior episode that I had done with Stephen Jenkinson talking about death and kind of the medicalization of death in our society, but it's a topic that I feel brings a lot of grief to people, not just in the fact that you go through a lot of grief during the death process, but it's just something that none of us are properly prepared for. And we need to change that because death is just a natural part of life. Yes, it is difficult, but it is a rite of passage. And Kristen does such a beautiful job of bringing ceremony back into that process. Stephen talks about death being similar to birth and Kristen says the exact same thing. And it is very true. We celebrate a birth, but we shun and we don't want to look at death. And this is a conversation about really looking at that and finding the medicine in death and the death process. We're also going to be talking about grief. Definitely make sure that you tune into this part where we talk about, Kristen mentions about how being active in grief can help them move, it, move the process along so that we don't get stuck in depression. I had never heard that perspective before and I thought that was really interesting. So she has some really great tips there on how to be active in the grief process. We also talking to our talk about having hard but inspiring conversations with our loved ones now. I really tear up <laughs> during this part of the conversation because there's definitely a longing that I have to like rekindle more of a connection with some of the people in my family, but it feels really hard. And she's gone through that process and she shares tips on how she did it. It's not easy. <laughs> it sounds but it's very rewarding. So <laughs> make sure you turn into that. We're also going to hear about what Kristen wishes more people knew about dying and some of her most profound lessons. I think that's it. I think that's the only intro that we need right now. There's so much here, you guys. It's a really beautiful, deep conversation. I'm looking forward to having more conversations like this. I love the no bullshit. I love just going deep. 
with really profound topics that need to be spoken about more. And this is definitely one of them. Without further ado, let's jump in and meet Kristen Hallett. All right, all right, all right. Hey, girl. Hey, how are you? So good now that we're together. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited for doing this podcast. And it's so funny because it's like, we've met what once and then we were just like instant BFFs on Instagram. And it's just like one of those crazy soul connections. You just feel like, I know as soon as I saw you, I'm like, hello, old friends, let's ride. And truly this is what's cool about doing this with you right now is that we would just go for coffee and it's as if we're just hanging out and there has to be a recording going. So I'm happy to let this one ride. Yay. I love it. For anybody who's listening, Kristen, absolutely amazing woman, met you at the new human event recently, Dr. Kevin Preston's event. You got on stage and literally goosebumps. I was like, oh, oh." like you, no offense to like Mark Groves and everybody else who's there was like awesome. But like you, you outshone all those guys. It was so good. It was so amazing. I was literally floored. I also... And I made a point of letting everyone know after I was the only person who insisted on having a walk-up song, but I'm, I've learned to ask for what, not I need, but what I want. Mm. And after, and I was very lucky to speak last. So after watching everyone else, I was like, okay, I know what I need. I know what I want. And I asked Kevin the night before, will you play this song for me when I walk up on stage? Because I think what's going to happen, I feel what's going to happen is there's going to be a crossroads as I go up on stage and I need to walk up down that road of the crossroads of that fork, just the best version of myself. And I know this song will get me there. It'll elevate me up onto the stage. And it's cool that you felt that. And Mm -hmm. I'm honestly, it's not just asking Kevin for that song. It's the years and years that led me to just the courage to ask for something so simple that you don't want to mess with someone's events or ruffle any feathers to just be able to say, bro, you're going to play this song. You're going to turn it up. And I'm going to dance a little bit and then I'll do what you're paying me for, <laughs> to do. <laughs> and it wasn't the song. It was you. And what I found was so profound. And this is what we're going to chat about today is you, you were so brave and like, you're not afraid to just call shit out. Like, you started your talk by quote unquote slang dragons, right? Mm-hmm. And you're mm-hmm. like, you called people out in the audience and were just like, hey, I just want to let you know that I followed you on Instagram and you didn't follow me back. And so I got upset <laughs> about it and then I unfollowed you. <laughs> uh, and I was just like, wow, like what is happening right now? This is so <laughs> fucking cool. Did, did she and just say that? Like grief and death. And I was just like, this woman has so much depth and I am here for it. It was so, incredible. That's just something that I've learned early on and I'll do in my sessions. So it's a really good example of the way that I work to stand mm-hmm. up there and actually have the opportunity that there's a woman in the audience that I did follow on Instagram. And in my mind, truly like a little kid, I thought we were going to be really good friends. And I, and I know I'm not the only person who does this. So then when she didn't follow me back and we both lived in Kelowna, waited out. I'm like, of course she's going to follow me back. The little kid in me was so sad and and then unfollowed her, but here's (laughs) an opportunity that she is in fact in the audience. And that is, that's a dragon to slay. Like that actually happened. But 
in my sessions, that's obviously an example at the new human when I was speaking, but I will find something at the beginning to just remind them, I am a broken ass human who's up here in my armor and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it off for a second and we can mm. be broken together in whatever way you are, but maybe you can relate to this, even like a shred of relation to this. And then that blows open the conversation. So I was very happy that Jen Pike was in the audience. Very happy that she followed me. <laughs> oh no, we're just gonna be besties. I know it. <laughs> oh my God. Do you have a lot of Libra in your chart? I don't see. I wish we could just talk charts all day long, but I need to look into all of it more. I'm a Capricorn by birthday and as as a young, very desperate searching teenager, I wanted to have Capricorn resonate and it never did. So all of that kind of faded away for me. So I need to look into it a little, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who would love to lean into all things astrology and all things charts and signs, but my human design hits, my Enneagram hits, but as far as my actual sign, mm-hmm. never has hit. No. You might so. be Libra rising or have it somewhere near Venus or I don't know. I just, I, I feel like, cause I, I'm a, a Libra rising and it's, we usually just, we want to be best friends with everybody, you know, like, well, it's, yeah. Is it want to be best friends with everybody or is it want everyone to like you? Cause that's very different. Libra likes to merge with others. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. And it can cause potential issues with codependency and things like that, which I've experienced in the past. So it's something that needs to be refined as you age. So it can be, that's like the lower octave of it, but there's also um, a large aspect of justice with it as well. So it's like this balance, it's balancing acts and really wanting to be in relationship um, is a big part of it. So for me, like when there's alignment, I'm not like, oh, I want to be friends with like literally everybody because 90% of humanity drives me fucking insane, to be honest. But people that I resonate with, I'm just like, oh, yes. There's just like that merging that I want to do with them. Yeah, I almost get crushed. I do. I do. I get crushes on people in, in 100%. the most heterosexual way. But there'll be somebody that I would feel drawn to. And I'm like, yes, I would want to pull them into my sphere. And I weave this web of a network of people. And just we'll check in. Okay. You're still in the web. Fantastic. Join me. Yeah. So <laughs> slider, but yeah, definitely. I can relate to that. 100%. I love it. I'm going to ask for your birthday after and I'll put it in my app and see what comes up and I'll let you know. Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to revisit it all. So yeah. I love it. I'm definitely not an expert, but it's a passion of mine. I'm probably going to end up doing a course and then like only going like halfway through it as a manifesting generator. I'm just like, little bits of stuff here. I'm like super fascinated by all the things. And it's, I pick up little bits at a time, but I never go like really deep into anything. I right. feel like over the years, I'll become an expert of some shit after just being interested in it for a really long time and revisiting yeah. it a million times. But yeah, that's how I roll. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's also fascinating. And as we're coming into our true selves, it just becomes all the more um, just fascinating to, mm-hmm. to uncover about ourselves. I think that's what we're doing. Just like- totally. We pretend to be somebody else, have everybody like us, all the social programming, and now just peeling back to mm-hmm. figure out who we truly are has been the greatest gift. Yeah, and absolutely. Then, and then liking and holding the space and grace for what mm-hmm. yeah, it's been fun getting to know myself for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think so many people, like our generation in particular, is just really 
craving depth now. Like we want to COVID world unearth shit. Yeah. And there's like this new interest. It's still a taboo subject where we're going to talk about, you know, what you do working in, I wouldn't say like in death, that just seems like how it ended up for you. Mm -hmm. But before we get into that conversation, let's just talk about what you are doing right now and like how you got into this. I have this idea. It started with an idea and it really has grown and morphed from that. And I've been open to that, but all I wanted to do was help share people's stories and truly summed up. If I could have a letter or a more vulnerable piece of my grandmother's that was written out. Um, and some people might, but I don't. Um, and as I'm beginning to learn, it seems as though that is more common, uh, especially with our parents' generations and our grandparents' generations. There's really no time to sit down and um, be self-indulgent in writing any sort of manifesto or memoir or even anything like that. So I just would do anything to have a letter where my grandma talks about a time she followed her heart and threw out all logic or a regret in her life, or even just about her upbringing and how she then molded that into the way that she raised my father, or if it was my mom's mom, my mother, but I I didn't have any of that. And then I realized I wasn't really having those conversations with my parents either. And there wasn't space to hold those conversations in that We would need to be on equal level. And for a lot of parents, not all, again, I find that they're not able to take off their parent hat where they would be not superior by any means, but they are still nurturing and parenting you. So to be vulnerable is very difficult for some parents in that relationship to really open up because they've had to appear greater than in raising you. So I think for a lot of people, it's so strange. I know I have been jealous of of friends who are really close with their parents, Mm. but my parents have also been really respectful and let me live my lives, which I appreciate too, and haven't gotten in my business. So it's just that dance. So that's the background of deciding I want to share people's stories. I love to write. This is what I'm meant to do. And then this is an interesting one. For years, my New Year's resolution was to stop interrupting people. Because I was always interrupting people. But really what it was, I was so invested in what they were saying that they was taking them a while to get out. Instead of being polite and waiting, I just so badly wanted to finish their sentence. Or I'm like, I know what you're trying to say. I've got this. So in my sessions, finally I'm able to take something and put it to good use that For people who can't find the words when they are trying to just pour themselves out, I'm like, I got you. I know what you're trying to say. And when I do put it on paper and we go back and look at it, they're like, yes, that's exactly why I've avoided doing this because I just couldn't find the words or it was overwhelming. We sit down together and I'm able to write that and they have this gift to pair with their will or their estate, which would be their valuables. They have this letter that is their values. And then could get that to their children or grandchildren. Um, and it's been such a journey. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, I bet. And that's so beautiful. I feel like there's so much that is left unsaid in so many relationships. 
And we have so many walls built around us, especially in within family. Oh, the dynamics. Yes. Oh, it's so difficult. It's really difficult. I was fortunate to actually be there for my grandfather's passing. Oh my gosh. Five years ago now. Jeez, Gramps. It's been a while. Were you in the room? Yeah. 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 So it was really interesting. He actually opted for like an assisted dying Mm -hmm. program, Mm -hmm. but he was basically there already. And we were all in the room and it was so interesting because it was my first time being intimate with death and seeing it, never seen it ever. And for most people, they can probably say that, right? Like in our culture, death is shunned it's hidden it's not to be witnessed or like it's just it's very medicalized as well and I was just I thought it was such a beautiful experience like the whole family was there and it was really humbling to witness however I feel like there could have been so much more like it was nice that everybody was in the room but you could tell that there was just so much that was left unsaid and nobody really felt equipped to deal with the emotional aspect of it. I remember walking into the room and it was crazy because I had been away uh, traveling and I had seen him not that long before where he looked like my gramps and I walked in and it was like, oh no, like this is a dying person. Like it didn't even look like him. It's so crazy how the body transforms so quickly during the dying process. And I walked in and I saw my uncle's face and I was just like, whoa, because for the first time in my life, I watched, I saw him as a little boy watching his dad die. Oh yeah. And this Mm -hmm. is the men in my family. They don't emotion. Yeah. (laughs) That's not a thing. They make fun of people for being a fucking pussy for man up, all this sort of stuff. And you could just see this grief, terror stricken look on his face. And it just like absolutely broke my heart. And I just, I feel like we can do dying so much better. And I really hope that's something that has more of a focus moving forward, but like it is it's a lot, like there is a lot to unpack. So like the work that you're doing, I feel is just so valuable on so many levels. And there's so much more support too, that we need. I love hearing that we have, there's death doulas and wonderful people help helping that process, but yeah, like it's a lot. And if there were someone there to support the family in a way that could allow some of those things to be said, I think it would have been an even better process. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And when I was there, when my grandpa passed and again, there are always medical explanations for everything, but I choose to let medicine walk and take a back seat to the magic that we get to witness. And the magic that was in that room was all of us around holding hands and his last breath was labored and his chest lifted off the bed no he hadn't moved for days so to watch that and it felt in that moment there was a soul that left his body if I can and truly I thought to myself this is the greatest gift I have just witnessed a birth 
in a different way on the back end of it and started to realize then and there that ceremony needs to accompany this. Yeah. And so much joy the same way that we would welcome a child into the world. Mm -hmm. So back to my sessions, just to link this and how writing about someone's essence and pulling out who they are on a piece of paper in which I naively early on thought would be really healthy, able-bodied, 65-year-old grandma in between tennis and, I don't know, getting her Botox. I truly thought it was just going to be, that was my client. That was going to be my target audience. And early on realized that grandma is not ready to do this work and sit Mm -hmm. down and think about that. Who's ready to do this work is someone on their deathbed being Mm -hmm. given a terminal diagnosis. Those were the phone calls that I was getting. Those were the clients I was booking. And that was when witnessing the more clinical sterile side of death and um, the way it has been medicalized um, instead of bringing in the spiritual side, the ceremonial side, that's when I became very passionate about opening myself up to ceremonies, which were an extension of my session, which creates ceremonies, especially for the families. Mm. they need to understand what is about to happen and have their hands held in what is happening. And like you said, much like your experience, there could have been more. So to have someone there facilitating more Mm. blows it all open for the experience to be exactly what it should be, the potential of that moment and how special it could be. This portal opens up Mm. and someone's leaving to go somewhere it's just magic. It's truly magic. And I don't mean to glorify by any means, because it's also when I say that, please know, like big asterisks, it's excruciating. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of people who are going through life numb right now. And you sure shit aren't numb. And there's something extremely poetic and beautiful to be able to feel that much mm-hmm. in those moments as well. So I do not glorify, but I, I honor that too. The, mm-hmm. the numb that we can feel. Yeah. Celebrated. Yeah. 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 I think that's a big part of what's missing in our society is that people are so afraid of grief and death and the underworld aspects of life. Mm-hmm. And I talk about this a lot on the podcast because I feel, I guess it's, I've been gifted the <laughs> opportunities of going into the underworld many times in my life. And when grief rolls around, it's, oh, hello, old friend. Here we are again. And you know that you can survive it, but you've, yeah. And and some people don't, and some people will shelf and not themselves, surprise themselves really in, in the growth that lives there and the survival of it. Yeah. Totally. Because it can feel like it's all consuming, right? And culturally, that's what we've been taught. It's don't wallow, you'll get swallowed. Don't wallow, you will get swallowed. You put this on the shelf in a clean little box. You go live your life, avoid. Take your antidepressant. So when I host grief circles, again, this has all happened just unbelievably symbiotically and naturally from my sessions that there was a lot of unprocessed grief coming up with people who were on their deathbeds and it became apparent to me this needs to happen sooner 
to live a full life. You need to grieve this sooner. This can't happen on your deathbed. No, this is Mm. squandered opportunity for so much growth. So it really did become uh, a moment where I realized somebody needs to help with this grief and I am somebody and I'm going to do this. As I learned more about grief, uh, a big part of it is processed in community. So when I started hosting grief circles, which I do now monthly back to the don't wallow, you'll get swallowed. I will let everyone know. I promise you at the beginning of the circles, I will say, I promise you, I promise you there is a bottom. You're going to go in and you're going to be sucked down. So grief, the Latin the Latin origins of grief is gravity. Like you will be sucked down. And that's so scary. Let yourself go there. I promise you there is a bottom where you can return, but it's active. This is the, this is, you must remember it needs to be active. You must be active in your grieving or else it can turn to depression. Mm. And I think that's where the fear is. If you're not actively choosing life, and choosing to process, choosing whatever it is. If it's a person you've lost, a business, a divorce, choosing to talk about it, to open yourself up to it. Yeah. So that is, that's something that I will point out is I I promise you that there's a bottom. And I think knowing that will give permission to just incrementally just go there just a Mm. little bit. So Mm. yeah, it's important to point out, I think though. That's really cool. I've never heard of that. So like being active in grief. So you mentioned talking about it. What are there any other ways? So grief in what I've learned and uh, I can give you so many resources and who I've learned from, but I feel Francis Weller is the goat. Like he is my, if only I could choose a mentor, it would be him. Mm-hmm. I respect him to, to, to no end because he's got the medical side, but he weaves in the spiritual like no other but he speaks about grief needing to happen in solitude alone but equal parts in witness and being held in community so mm-hmm. in both ways, you do need to be alone and sit with it and that comes back to not being able to numb or distract yourself because even with people you could distract yourself so that's where the solitude is and then having someone bear witness and hold it with you so mm-hmm. you're not alone I think that brings it to a tangible reality because mm-hmm. when you're alone, you're, you can get caught up in the fairy tales and lose sight of reality. But in the human experience, we have others to bring us back to reality. Granted, we all have different lenses, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's whatever lens they need, if their intentions are pure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. My recent grieving is over a business, which we were talking about before. And I feel like the process was more gentle because it was witnessed, because there were, because I had support. I had mentors. I had incredible team members that like held my hand through the process. And yes, there's processing that needs to be done alone because Mm -hmm. this was my baby that I had given so much of myself to for seven years, but the support that I had in the end was, I, I don't know what I would have done without those people. Like it was just, it, it was incredible. And to think of like how many people 
<laughs> witness or go through a death process. It's really interesting, actually. I was scrolling on Instagram a couple of days ago, and I think it was the holistic psychologist. Oh, yeah, she's so great. She did a post about something about watching your parents age is difficult. Mm. Don't talk about it. Let's do that. Yeah. And the comments, I think there was like 8,000 comments or something on this post. And it was all of these people just like dumping their hearts about I'm taking care of a loved one who has Alzheimer's and I'm feeling super frustrated because I feel like I didn't have support from them, but now I have to take care of them. I am super worried about watching my parents age because I feel like it's a burden in this way. And it was like, there, there was so much. It's like, you could just tell that they're like, this is a conversation that really needs to happen. And the underlying tone of all of it was like, we feel alone and we don't know what to do. Right. 8,000 people. Yeah. I saw, I did see that post and parents aging and this does come up a lot mm. and much like you spoke to senior uncle in, in the room, mm-hmm. you know, death rushing near and you saw a little kid in him and it wasn't your uncle. It was the little kid that was processing this. And, and that's what happens with our parents as well. There's a little kid in us who is mourning their vitality and in watching them age because back to those relationships that we had, like they, they, are on this pedestal or they are invincible for many of us. And so to watch them falter, weaken is for the kid in us, shocking. Mm. And the other part, it's a two-parter as we mourn just the mortality of our parents. And, and then it links to us as well. This can happen to them. This is going to happen to me. And other people have that happen earlier on with if they lose a friend or someone in a peer group like, right away they're given that smack over the head but another thing that will happen is we put ourselves and our beliefs onto our parents that we get really upset or frustrated that they're not working out or eating if they would only do this if they would only do that and that is just where we would put a certain grief to in that frustration instead of just loving them for who they are and it is, it's truly love and that you want them to be healthy, but I do see that happen as well, that you use a lot of that time and it's squandered in frustration with parents, not doing what fit as the prescription of their vitality instead of oh, they're just living their lives and they're going to live it the way that they choose mm-hmm. to live it. And we're here for the ride with them. So mm-hmm. it's a bit of a ramble, but it, parent stuff comes up a lot. A lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. And what also feels like a big piece of what was coming through those comments was things left unsaid, not having those conversations. And it's difficult. Like you mentioned that you realized that you weren't having those conversations with your parents when you started doing this work. Did you start having those conversations with them? Yeah. And it honestly felt like just a blurt out in the kitchen like in the kitchen I would just blurt it I forced myself it wasn't comfortable yeah 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 even for myself who was in this work but I remember I was in the kitchen with my mom and I just almost forced myself to just say, mom what what bothers you the most about aging and she didn't miss a beat in her answer mm-hmm. it wasn't 
it was so great. And we were talking like friends. I'm like, I'm almost 40. Yeah. I should be able to talk to my mom like this. Like, why have I put us in these boxes? Yeah. It was really cool. So it blew open a conversation. And another thing, and I talk about this a lot with parents who are aging. So this is so important and I want to share it is that I haven't held my mom's hand in probably 25 years. That role has been over for her. I don't need her to hold my hand. And again, some parents might hold their adult children's hands, but I just never have. And this ocean has grown between us in who we are and how we live our lives. And so just recently I, I will reach across and hold her hand. And again, it's not comfortable at first, but the reason I do that now and I've started doing it is that if something were to happen to her tomorrow and she were in a hospital bed and say she couldn't speak or I, I, I would instantly hold her hand. So why would I be waiting to do that? Especially if we don't have as much in common now, that's one commonality we do have. That's where we started. We used to hold hands all the time when I was a little girl. And the cool thing is, because it did, it felt like reaching across an ocean. It wasn't comfortable. This isn't something I can't wait to do. It it was all awkward because you haven't done it in so long. You're out of practice. When I did reach across, we were in the car at the time and she was driving and just grabbed onto her hand. Um, It was as if she was like, I can do this. This I've got. Like my, I might not say the right things. I might not fully understand you, but this holding your hand, I remember this. I I could nail this. And it was a kind of a it was a really cool feeling and, and mm. the confidence of a confidence of a mother where it's just second nature. I bring up a lot because I know that if something were to happen, you would hold their hands right away. But maybe don't wait. Just don't wait and uh, push through the awkward and, and and do that. It's really beautiful yeah. if you have that relationship or at all feeling that too that is mm-hmm. yeah it makes me tear up just thinking about it because it's yeah I don't know like in my own family system I feel some disconnect there that I'd like to reach out towards but it's hard so I love that you're able to put it in words where it's no it's not easy but you just have to like fucking do it no it's the most awkward thing you'll do um, <laughs> aren't we <laughs> things that scare us it's yeah. just so wild that would be the thing because it sounds so simple totally you know? yeah do you have any resources for people because here's like I have a podcast and I come up with questions and stuff beforehand or some stuff will come to me as we're chatting but I feel like I'm not good at coming up with those really profound questions to ask do you I'm have sorry. a list <laughs> I have a list my I have my sessions written out and yes. that because this has grown into so much more, I mentioned grief circles. And now just, I have an early client whose cancer has metastasized and she has trusted me from day one. And when the the time comes, I I do hope to be able to perform a ceremony and gotten to know her family and her daughters. And that would be another area that this has morphed into. did the speaking of the new human never thought I'd be speaking about this. So the speaking and the grief circles and then moving into um, a death ceremony. Uh, So those are some areas. And then the other, much like you're speaking to, I I would like to sit down and and take my sessions and put them into um, almost a a workbook for someone that it doesn't need. 
I'm only one person, so I can only sit and have so many sessions, but to be able to create an intimate time and space where you throw in a kettle and have a cup of tea with whoever it is that you would like to learn more from, whether it be a spouse or a parent, yeah, uncle, grand, grandparents, I would love to create that workbook. So it's definitely in on the horizon, I'd say. That's so cool. Yeah. If you ever need help putting that book together, that's like what I do in my other life. I okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, branding, marketing, all of design, all of the things. Yeah. No, I have a very hard time getting everything that lives inside my brain out outside in any sort of tangible. So yes, please hold my hand. Okay. okay. Yeah. 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 I can definitely support with that. <laughs> Tell me about what these ceremonies look like. The end of life ceremony. That's interesting. You got to have a glimpse of some of the exercises mm. I would do at the new human. And that mm. was really cool to be able to put everyone through some of the exercises when you do look face to face and link up eye to eye. And I had you guys lock your left eye with your left eye. And I don't know if you remember, but just explaining you would lock the left eyes to just enter into that right side of the brain and our right side of the brain just, it seeks to understand in creation and Whereas our left side seeks more to manipulate and survive. How do I survive in the world? You go through left eye to just see each other on that right side of the brain where you are truly exploring together. And then there um, is a really beautiful um, message or passage that I have that will give you a sense of traveling wherever we're going when our earth walk is over together mm-hmm. and I, um, I don't know if you recall but it is I, I, will, I will meet you there I'll see mm-hmm. you there so that is very powerful always always will I sing lullabies and that goes back to and to get the family singing as well but we are ceremonious people We've, we're meant to be in circle we're meant to sing we're meant to move our bodies we're meant to celebrate our bodies and the lullabies for me have always been for going to celebrate a baby coming into the world and sing to them and coo to them with a lullaby. Mm-hmm. It just is so fitting that as the bell curve shifts that you would um, sing someone out of here too. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's in, in the works and something that I'm just newly exploring and offering I'm so grateful to have made a lifelong friend in a very veteran palliative care hospice nurse so I'm going to work with their team they've seen Mm. it all and understanding the medical side more like making sure I'm just not in the way really Mm. but yeah so that's those are the next moves there as well so that excites me that brings me to tears on the daily of feeling so grateful to be Mm. able to offer that gift mm. to the world mm. beautiful. it reminds me I'm sure you're familiar with Stephen Jenkinson mm. his work yeah I went through a really heavy grief process about five years ago <clears throat> and got really into his work like his audiobooks I gravitated towards and I listened to both of them there was the die wise and then the one about elders and it just it rearranged my DNA <laughs> 
(laughs) And I was already in such like a low frequency, not in a sense of like, it was just like the grief process. It was like really heavy. I was also very isolated at the time. Um, was taking care of myself and getting out into nature and as much as I could, but it was just, I was going through like an underworld initiation for Mm -hmm. sure. And I became really fascinated actually with the process of dying and potentially sitting with the dying. I was living in Salt Lake city at the time. And I had reached out to a palliative care place because I was like, Hey, I think this is maybe something that, that I want to do and support with being in the U S at the time and being Canadian, like it just wasn't going to work out, but I feel like there's just, there, there's so much medicine there. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering how you've seen your work impact both the dying and the family and like what you've also learned. Oh, I think that the greatest gift for me is I will go into some sessions and they're gifted to the person I'm sitting with and to enter into a session that has been gifted. So not on the sovereignty of that person, I'm going to be sitting with choosing this. There have been times where they're honestly just doing a favor to a loved one because they need that to feel comfortable. I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to book this woman. I heard about her on Instagram. So here I am and I'll show up and the greatest gift to me that um, has been the greatest honor is to sit down with those people. And I'm probably going to cry, but they're not thrilled about me being there whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's whatever you said, the Libra rising in me. And I'm like, well, you're going to love me. What, am I, what, what was it called again? I figure, yeah, you have some Libra on your chart. Yeah, sure. yeah. Libra. yeah. But no, to sit down with them and them say, I, I don't have anything impressive to tell you. So you realize right away, it's more of an insecurity of who am I to be so self-indulgent to do something like this? I, I don't have anything interesting to say. I didn't live that interesting of a life. This is going to be the worst interview you've ever given is another one I've gotten. Mm. And then you go into the session over and over. And this is one that gets me. I've had multiple people just say, oh my gosh, my family is not going to believe this is me. They're not going to believe this is me. And because you open up parts of them that maybe they've shelved or they haven't let themselves be playful or even remember Mm because life is hard and it hardens us and bills need to be paid and toilets need to be cleaned. And that part is really cool because that's when you pull out their essence. Oh, you're in there. We're laughing. You're dying, but we're laughing. And that is pretty cool. Oh, that's so cool. So I'd say that. And then I'm learning from that and learning much like when I talk to the new human and can out myself and slay every dragon. And there were a lot of dragons. I was like, I'm sure people were like, when is this girl going to start her talk? Because I had so many (laughs) things that I needed to tell you in just the humility that is this human experience. But that's been another incredible lesson too. That is your superpower in connection is just letting yourself show up a bit broken and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, People want the pieces and you can share the pieces. Thank God I've got broken pieces to share with myself. Nobody wants someone whole to show up. Mm. they've got nothing to share they're like keeping it to themselves yeah well that's good I'm gonna write about that yeah (laughs) and another thing that I'm thinking of which is just it's really profound and just talks to the importance of what you're doing 
Have you ever read the Tibetan Book of the Dead? No, I think I need to though. <laughs> yeah, it's intense. It like it basically details what happens when you die from the Tibetan perspective. And essentially the state that you're in when you pass can determine what you experience and where you go after. And it's interesting. I actually just had my house exorcised. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I knew that there was something, there was like, there was an entity or something in my house. And I don't know why it took me so long to get somebody to like, check it out. But literally just this week, I had a medium check in and she was like, oh yeah, there was an old man who had passed in your home and he didn't realize he was dead. He's gone to the light now. Like you're good to go. He won't bother you anymore. And I was like, what? Like so where? Stuck. I was stuck. In yeah. The- yeah. And this is a thing that can happen, right? It's depending on your energy, if you're like holding on too closely, or if there's like a lot of like really unresolved things it can hold you back, like even in in the spiritual world. And so I think there is just so much value in releasing and having some of this unfinished business kind of resolve before you pass. Like that is really deep spiritual work that can actually get you to where you're meant to go. And I think we all end up getting to like where we need to be, but there can be some like fragments and and parts of our soul that can get stuck. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, I I think that is a layer that can really help move us along on that sacred death process. Yeah, no, the letting go. And I, for me personally, in my experience now, that's why I have leaned into grief, because I think not processing grief and carrying it with you, it's our soul's purpose in this lifetime to process Mm. the grief that we're given to elevate us. I, I think that is our soul evolution and it is the way to evolve. And this is just happening innately and from paying attention. So when I hear you talk about a Tibetan way of dying and letting go, I'm like, okay, yes, of course, this is how they came up with that. I can feel that in a room. Mm-hmm. I understand like something's being carried. There's like a blockage that's like carrying them that needs to be released. I need to host these circles. It needs to release now not on your deathbed. This is important. I can relate to that wholeheartedly, 100%. And it's interesting. Another thing is you'll watch somebody who is in fact ready to die and they will wait. They'll wait until their daughter has a baby, a grandchild to know that the baby's okay. And then they'll let go Mm -hmm. or they'll wait until after Christmas or after someone's birthday. So it's not that day, not always. And obviously can't take into account the the trauma that would occur with, with some deaths, but when there is choosing to let go, you will see people hold on and, until a certain moment or a portal opens up that it feels okay too, or they're given permission to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Um, people need, need permission. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll be okay. That's a big one. I will be okay. You can go now. I'm fine. I'll be okay. And then mm-hmm. that sort of permission can allow someone to, to let go and be free of the blockages that you spoke of. Yeah, what an incredible, there's so many lessons there that I think can also alleviate the living sphere of death too. Yeah, Yeah. and that's exactly it. Um, You can learn the lessons early. You can live your life so much more fully and 
wholeheartedly in a way that you pay attention. I honestly, the longer I spend on earth and starting to live it the way I've started to live paying attention, I, I'm starting to believe that we really are in heaven right now and just fail to notice. And I've spoken to a few people who have had near-death experiences. And for one man specifically, he flatlined, died, and I'm trying to remember how long he was gone for. I want to say 16 minutes or so. But for him, it was just a little curl of the end of a little kid's ponytail. It was drops of water on a window pane. It was the steam coming from a coffee cup. It, heaven for him or where he went was just flashes of everything we failed to notice. And it's like mm -hmm. he went back and did it again. And it was so beautiful. Just a hand reaching out to hold a foot hanging off the end of a bed because you're sleeping on a Sunday with the sun coming in. Like just, wow, that is so beautiful and I don't know if I believe it but I choose to live it that way like why wouldn't we just choose to live it that way because if you're not noticing all of the just treacherous excruciating pain is going to slap you in the face and make you notice it it's easy to notice that it's a conscious effort every day to just take a moment look at where the height the light is hitting and let it hit you on the heart for a second but that's a conscious effort for sure mm. yeah what do you wish more people knew about dying that it's just the one thing that we all have in common it's mm. the only thing we all have in common so why can't we let it unite all of us and instead of through fear in this almost exploration of an unknown together that we could support each other in that to strip away that fear that we're, we're in it together it's the one thing that and of course love that they're connected so yeah that would be it I'd say mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. beautiful how do you feel all of your work has changed your perspective on your own death I don't think it has and I think that's why I've been able to do this work I I feel as though, and depending on how I would show up to a day, some days you show up high vibes and feeling really good. And others, there would be low days. I have my highs and lows as well. But for the most part, there's a constant feeling where I, I am not afraid. And I do feel as though everything else and each day is just fucking bonus. Like what a bonus. How lucky am I when I, I see parents burying their children from a terminal disease I have just been able to complete so many life assignments and I talk in assignments that I've watched a star shoot I've sat at a movie theater next to a teenage boy and had my whole heart vibrate wondering if we were going to hold hands and been nervous that he could hear me crunching on my popcorn oh is he going to still like me I, I've been able to I just think in assignments that there are people who don't get to do that. I've got to have children. I've got to, I'm so lucky. And just being able to choose to live my life that way. I just think in everything else is just another scoop of ice cream, like cherry on top mm -hmm. day after day. So no, that hasn't changed. But I think as a young kid, I laid awake terrified of death and not all 
I don't think everyone's like this, but I know whoever's listening, I know that there are people out there who are similar to me. Like they just basically tell you, hey, we're floating in a sphere in the middle of, we have no idea and go to bed now. Here, brush your teeth. <laughs> and I was up for months on end, not knowing who to talk to about it. But I think in that time, you need to find some sort of resolve in that. And I was, I was able to, and back to just thinking in bonus, it's just, wow, okay, I guess I'll stop questioning and just live. I'm just going to live my life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's an incredible perspective. I remember being like, I don't know, four laying in bed in the middle of the night and my parents had taken us to church briefly like we weren't religious people but like they tried for a bit mm-hmm. and I remember sitting or laying there and being like okay so like you die and then you like go to heaven and you're just there forever and ever it and like hell yeah <laughs> yeah and I was like what? I'm just like freaking out as a little little tiny kid in my bed. And I'm just like, no, this can't be right. That's not for me. Yeah. That's not for me. I know. Do most four-year-olds contemplate that shit? I don't know. I I talk to a lot of people about it and it is quite common, but not definitely not everybody. Some people were able to just dream of strawberry shortcake and not lose sleep. We were not those people. No, I have such a deep interest in the spiritual, right? It's just... I think that contemplation at a very young age, it wasn't really something that I got into until my 20s, but now my whole life is just steeped in wanting to understand and connect with the afterlife and the spirit world and figure out how it all works. I find it super fascinating, but the process of death is still, it's still daunting, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I think for most people, you watch yourself fall apart and for the way that it's been modeled to me by all of my elders is that getting old fucking sucks. Yeah. That has been the consensus yeah. by every elder in my family getting old fucking sucks. Yeah. And I, I want to flip that in my life. Mm-hmm. I want to, I've already had a life where I felt like my body's been against me mm-hmm. <laughs> dealing with health challenges for as long as I can remember. So I already feel like I have a pretty good taste of what that's going to be like. And I feel like what I'm really going to want to focus on is being a good elder, right? Mm -hmm. And instead of coming from a place of wanting to grapple to, to the youth, right? To like to go back in time. Yes. To be where you are and to level up. I feel like aging, like you said, it's, oh, this is a bonus. We're actually moving forward here. What are the lessons? How can I become a better person as I age instead of striving for youth or learning? Yeah. Yeah. Preventing the aging. I think that's a really big lesson that could have a lot of medicine in it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. That, then that's something, especially as I enter 40 in the next couple of years and even just shedding the history of my back combed hair and like loads of makeup that I would have <laughs> in my journalism broadcasting days on, on air. So there was just a certain expectation that I put myself into a certain box of the way I would look. 
trends, getting off that treadmill of youth has been such a gift because Mm -hmm. much like you talk about the physical, so I'm talking aesthetically the physical. I, I know you were talking about climbing a mountain physical with your body, but we can speak to both of them right now. Climbing off the treadmill of youth and not allowing myself to focus on the aesthetic physical as much anymore because I'm going to go inside now what Mm -hmm. do I have to offer from the inside and that's where I would like to invest my time Mm -hmm. less on the Botox and the maintenance and oh my god because it never it will never end it never ends yeah so I want to invest it internally with where the value is there but the coolest thing is I had a lot of run-ins, possibly it was the industry I was in with very cruel women who were older than me. Hmm. Um, and maybe that was television or I don't know. But I will say, and there might have been the just the way society is lined up that I had youth on my side. If I remember correctly, it felt that way. Oh, yeah. I always wondered when I got to this age, is that just what happens? And I'm going to be bitter and angry towards a naive 20 year old. And I'm just so grateful that all I want to do is scoop them up Mm -hmm. and just love them and help them find much like in my sessions, like their own essence on the inside of what like really matters while still being vital and enjoying all of the goodness that their body has given them. But that's just been such relief because I wasn't sure. I thought maybe you just hit a certain age and you become a giant cow to young girls because that's the way you have to in our culture because we're just so jealous of youth. Mm. But thankfully, and I did have mentors and women who were older that were that showed me the way that were so incredibly kind and just left the gate open when they blew past their blew past the ceiling. They threw down a ladder to me, so mm. I just want to be the person who keeps that ladder thrown down with the suit this ceiling that all of us women have blown open. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're getting to the end of our time. Oh, this was so much fun. It was. Yeah. I just love you. I love you. Thank you for having me. So amazing for people who are listening. How can they connect with you? How can they learn more about your services, the grief circles, potentially having you come in and support a loved one? So honestly, connect with me. It's 2023. Connect with me through Instagram. You can send me a DM. I also have my email linked there as well. You can link to my website. My my handle is the ellipsis experience. So the underscore ellipsis underscore experience. So that is my business. And the ellipsis is the unknown in the way mm-hmm. that you would leave this, this world. And there's an assumption left of what would happen, like what the essence of yourself left behind is the ellipsis to me. But it also is exactly what I spoke of when someone trails off and I can hopefully help pick up where they left off and where their ellipsis is. I can uh, swoop in and say, I've got you. Mm-hmm. What's your story? And, and I can uh, pick up what you're putting down here and trying to get out because it can be very overwhelming. Um, anyone who wants to pull out their essence and put it on the page and have it left or have a parent do it. Uh, yeah, it just can be overwhelming. And I just want to be that person that helps 
make it get a little bit easier because mm. it is such a gift to loved ones after yeah after your earth walk is completed mm. beautiful well thank you so much for sharing your story today with me and our audience I truly appreciate it I'm so glad that we met I'm so glad we met and I'm so excited to hear in the pivot of your life what your next chapter Mm -hmm. and story is going to be. I know I'm not quite sure what it is yet but I know there's a lot on the horizon and it's all exciting and so much of it is steeped in community. I'm so grateful to have and meet such incredible humans like yourself. It's interesting I was doing some journaling last night and I was like, you know what I'm sick of (laughs) is just all the pretentious bullshit. I adore the spiritual world and the community, but there's just been like this kind of trendiness or this flavor that has been steeped into it that I'm now just not resonating with. Like, some of like the goddess circles and like just some of it like there yeah. there's a place for all of it but I'm just fucking over it and I am just so ready for the realness and the rawness of everything and I think that's why I gravitate so much to your work because there's no fucking bullshit oh thank you yeah, yeah. I, my grief circles are for free I should point that out but I think what happens is that people see opportunity as they should that's like fully left brain focused and there has been just a little bit of a reach in and reach around where capitalism has touched something so spiritual and it's it, that's when yeah the disingenuous feeling starts to come out and then you're just looking for wolves in cheap clothing of, of that world so of course it's hard and you have to meet it with resistance and just protect yourself that's all yeah. Yeah. I feel what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. We're in three years of Saturn and Pisces. And so we are figuring all of that out right now, right? We're creating discernment. And so I feel like my work is going to be gravitating more towards building community of real, raw, straight up motherfuckers (laughs) doing the work and yeah, yeah. Something in that realm. So thank you for being part of that. That's when you can't fail when it's rooted in community and that's yeah. the intention. Yeah. You soar. Mm-hmm. Success isn't going to be like dollar signs. Like it's success no. is gonna be, this is successful. A conversation like this that we both learn and grow from. Yeah. You find that in community and you're the most successful person on earth. I swear to God. The long goodbye. Hey. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for everybody listening, Thank you so much for staying to the end. Make sure you connect with Kristen. Make sure you send this episode to somebody who you feel needs it. And we'll catch you on the next episode. I love you. Love you too. Big love as always for being here today. I appreciate you so much supporting this project. Here's to truth, unity, the mystical, and the magical. If you want to connect more, hit me up on the gram at magic, M-A-G-I-C-K dot maven. I'm a lover and maker of herbal potions, beautiful environments, brands, adventures, and wild crafts. So if that's something that lights you up, 
I am always up to some wacky adventure and would love to connect with you there. If you feel called to share this episode, please do. This is a passion project. I'm not doing any sponsorship at this time, so it would mean the world. Thanks again and see you on the next episode.